Welcome to Iro Live with host Bob Bay. We started out, we started talking about, and I paralleled our need for God. When we started out, God created in us. We learned that in the garden, God created us in His image, a triune being, body, soul, and spirit. And in Thessalonians 5.23, it talks about that. Paul prays that God would keep us body, soul, and spirit. God created within us certain categories of needs. Now, it doesn't specifically say these are the categories of needs, but he breaks it out when you read in there. He said that he placed man in the garden. He gave him everything that he needed for food, shelter, and protection, his security. They were in the confines of the garden protected. He also, when he created us, he gave us a sense of significance, and we have that need in us a sense for a sense of significance. And that sense of significance is the knowing that we matter, that we aren't just blobs of tissue. God said that we are created in his image. He gave us a purpose, and he, he put us in the garden to have dominion over his creation. We are to have charge over his creation. That's significance. I like the word significant because... Sometimes if we say, well, we're important, we matter, you get an idea of what that is. That's the, the wrong idea. We, we are significant. You have significance. If you weren't here, it would matter. You're here because it's important to God that you're here. So the first category being significance. The second one, security, everything being taken care of. But also in that security, there is a sense of knowing within yourself in who you are, that everything's going to be okay. That we find that in, the, in faith in God, right? In trusting in God. It gives us a sense of security and knowing that everything's going to be all right. And then the final one was a sense of socialization. And it started out between God and man, kind. And then went, from, went to a spouse, to a family, to a community, to a civilization to the world. Those three types of, of relationships that, that God put within us is relationship with Him, relationship with the people around us, and the relationship with ourselves. When we talked about the thing of, if you're new here, you may think, what do you mean relationship with yourself? And if you stop and think about it, you talk to yourself, you think about things, you imagine situations happening in your life, you replay the things that have happened in the past, you just all of these things that are going on inside your head, that's the relationship you're having with yourself. And I'll tell you, that can be one of the most destructive relationships that we have is the relationship that we have with ourselves. Because the thing is, is we know all the secrets, right? We know all of that stuff. But then you fast forward in the Bible and Jesus is asked, what are the greatest commandments? And he said, the greatest is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. So that covers all three of those categories, relationship in, in there. Everybody with me so far? That was quick, right? We also learned that at the time of the fall, when they chose their own way, that their spirit, okay, your body is your earth suit. My true eternal being is my spirit. My spirit is that being which lives forever. The connection between this body and my eternal being is my soul, which is my mind, my will, and my emotions. 
at the fall, what ended up happening when that separation came from God, God said, if you eat of the tree, you will surely die. And that phrase, surely die, means in dying, you will die. So it was a process of dying. And so what ended up happening is our eternal being, although it can never die, our eternal being cannot die, but it is separated from God. A veil is there. And so it's as if, this is the best way I can describe it. It's as if our spirit man went into a coma. It still knows what's going on, but it has no ability to call the shots. It has no ability to make decisions at that point. That's the best way. I, maybe one day I'll have a better way to describe it, but that's the best way I can describe it for now. It is sleeping. And so what ended up happening after the fall, mankind was left. You know, your, your brain is the hardware in the body. Your brain is the hardware that shoots uh, neurotransmissions, the electrical impulses in that. It causes dopamine and serotonin and all of these things to be released inside your body in the chemical part of it. Your mind is that intangible part. It's the software of your brain. When your spirit stopped being able to call the shots and your soul is left in charge, your mind, your will, and your emotions is suddenly takes over your body and finding your way through life. Before, when, when mankind was in the garden, our spirits were in communion with God. He would come and walk with us. And there was that connection so our spirit could call the shots. But now, our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions is calling the shots. This is what happens. We still have these needs because they're created within us. We have a need for significance. We have a need for security. We have a need for socialization, the thing for relationships. And we find that throughout the scriptures. Our soul is left to try and figure it out. And so let me give you some examples of it. Could be in everyday life of different parts of how this affects us. We're born in this world and as a baby, we're placed in the care of other people. Other people are left to raise us. Their job is to teach us how to navigate this world and grow to be a productive, healthy member of society. And there was somebody supposed to be in charge of them that taught them the same thing. But our softwares have gotten all corrupt. Our softwares have gotten messed up. And so what ends up happening is we have these needs within us and we begin to chase those needs and to fulfill the things in our lives. And it causes us to make emotional, irrational decisions. We're supposed to learn how to meet our needs in a God-honoring way that he intended, but we don't really know how to do that because we haven't been taught, because the people who are supposed to teach us haven't been taught, because the people who are supposed to teach them haven't been taught. And so we're going through this. And so now it's no longer, and I'll just take significance, and this is what you see happen all the time. Especially for men, this, this one is a big one for men. We find worth and we receive love through respect. And we begin to feel significance through respect and for other people respecting us. And so we begin to do things to try and earn respect. 
and we may do crazy things. So what ends up happening is if we can't achieve that sense of significance in an appropriate way, we will do something to cover the feeling of not meeting that need. So it'll look like you may strive and strive and strive to find significance and success in the way that the world would deem acceptable. And when you can't do that, that doesn't mean the need goes away. You still have that need. So you begin to look for other ways to do it. And you start making bad choices. And then when that significance is still not met, you start saying, well, it doesn't really matter. You, there's a, a scripture in the Bible that says, hope deferred sickens the heart. It's no longer about actually receiving that significance. Now it's become about not feeling the feelings you feel because you don't feel significant. Women have it in a different, I can't speak on women's behalf, I'm not a woman. But I do know that because I am a father of daughters and I'm a grandfather of granddaughters, and because it was so important to me to learn as I was a young father and, and raising my daughters to understand that young ladies find there's part of their significance in that relationship with their father, in feeling special. Well, if they don't get that, then they begin to look elsewhere for it. And then they begin to do things that are not beneficial to them in order to gain that significance, to gain the attention that will make them feel significant. And that's why it's so important that even if it's not fathers, that it's someone who is safe Grandparents, grandfathers play a huge role in, in little girls' lives and helping them feel significant and wanted and special. Then they can learn appropriate ways to meet that need. So we have that, those needs within us. Take security. When we feel insecure about our lives, we begin to say, none of this really matters because I'm not going to be able to have it anyway. So the idea of making good choices time after time after time is the ability's not there. What's, what's happening then, and this is what happened in my life, it wasn't about making good choices, it was about not feeling the way I felt. And that's where the craziness of addiction comes in. You no longer have the ability to make good choices. You just have to make the choice that's gonna either blind that memory that you have or anesthetize the feeling of hopelessness. When we find ourselves here and we don't understand, we learned as we were walking through the steps that we, we have that need within us. Some people describe that as a hole in us that's a God-shaped hole. And that's really what it is. Because see, God designed us to have our needs met in the garden. He took care of everything. We had responsibilities. I say in the garden we were gardeners, not farmers. But after the curse, we became farmers. We had to work to get our food. What ends up happening is, is our soul, which is not connected to God, it's learned coping skills and coping mechanisms on how to live life. Our spirit now has woken up. We receive the Holy Spirit. We are the, now the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is what a lot of people want to happen. They want the Holy Spirit to come in and take control and call all the shots. But that's not how God designed it. But something in us is continuing to try and take control. And it's not the devil. It's what's inside of us.
And so if you read on, the fall happens in Genesis 3. If you read on into Genesis 4, it talks about Cain and Abel. If you don't know the story of Cain and Abel, so Cain and Abel, after Adam and Eve are put out of the garden, Cain and Abel are born. Cain's born and then Abel are born. And the Bible says that Cain is born a worker of the ground, tiller of the fields, and Abel is a shepherd. There's no law then. There's no Ten Commandments. There's no none of that. Each one of them has a need to reconnect to God in some way. We don't understand what that is because the Bible doesn't explain to us. But for whatever reason, they make a sacrifice. They make an offering, I should say. They make an offering. Abel offers the first fruits of his flock. And Cain offers the first fruits of, of the ground of the field. And the Bible says that God was happy with Abel and not happy with Cain. And that made Cain angry and his countenance fell. And I'll just say this as far as that, because that seems so unfair to me for the longest time. It's like, well, he gave what he had. But if you look back, part of the curse was that man would become a tiller of the ground, have to work for his food. And Cain gave his offering out of his labor. Abel, however, gave his offering. It cost him, but he had no work in it. It just naturally happened. One of his sheep had another sheep, and he gave the sheep. So it cost him, but it wasn't his effort that he gave. And that's really where, that's a parallel to where we're at. That's a parallel to religion versus a relationship with God. We can work and try and do the things to make God happy and make God like us and try and be this person. Or we can walk in faith as Abraham did. What God tells, and this is in Genesis 3, you can read the story, the whole story yourselves. What God says, why is your countenance falling? If you do well, won't you be accepted? But if you don't, sin crouches at the door and it's a desire is for you. And that word desire means to rule over you. Sin desires to rule over you, but you must rule over it. You must rule over it. In James, if you look in the book of James, it talks about we are not tempted by God. We are not tempted by evil. And God will not tempt us because God can't be tempted by evil and he won't tempt us with evil. What it is, is we are led astray by our own desires. And what are those desires? Those desires are those needs that we have. The need for significance, the need for security, and the needs for socialization. You think of those three words and they don't seem like much, but when you stop and think about it, Everything that we do that pulls us away from God has to do with meeting one of those three needs in some way. The book of Ecclesiastes. The book of Ecclesiastes was written by Solomon. Solomon was considered to be the richest, most powerful, the wisest ruler to have existed. There is actual historical evidence that Solomon existed. He had everything. And he lists out in Ecclesiastes, listen, I felt like there was no point in life. So I built all of this stuff. I took on this huge project and I built the largest city that you could build. I built, it, it was adorned with all of these things. Everything was wonderful. Guess what? It didn't help. And he said, you know what else? I felt hopeless without joy. So I set about to drink 
and drank as much as I could and just party it up. Woo, I'm gonna party! And he drank and drank and drank. And he said at the end, it was pointless. It didn't help. It didn't fill that thing in me. He tried women. He had over 800 wives and concubines. He tried everything and he lists out all of these things that he tried to fill that need that he had on the inside. And it didn't work. He called it all vanity. It's all vanity. It's all in vain. It's pointless. All of it's pointless. It's never going to work. Somebody who could have anything or everything they wanted. And he tried and he said, it's all pointless. But this is what he came back to. He said, but this is what I find in the end. This is what it all comes down to. Fear God and keep his commandments. Now, when I say that term, fear God, this is critical as we move forward. That term fear God is not a fear of like getting hit by a bus. That is not fear like being afraid. It is a fear of being without. So I'll give you out of my life, the analogy that I look at is I was a crew chief on a helicopter. One of the old Hueys like you see in Apocalypse now, you know, with the doors pushed back. This was back in the day, back in the 80s. So I was a crew chief. And so every time that helicopter left the ground, I had to be on it. And I sat in the side. I was the left-hand door gunner and crew chief and maintenance personnel. So we had these things called a monkey harness. And it was like a strap that hooked in the front. And they had these straps that went around our legs and came up and buckled in. And then it had a strap that came out the back, like a safety harness you see for tree climbers or construction workers. And they had a hook on it. And you could hook it onto the pylon, which is the walls on the inside of the helicopter. And so you hook it on there. And what that did was I was not afraid to fly at all. I loved flying with the doors back, doing 90 degree banks over the trees. You could almost reach out and touch the trees. It was awesome. I loved it. But what I was afraid of is falling out of the helicopter. Because if I fell out of a helicopter, I would die. And you don't get parachutes in helicopters. They're worthless. You fall out, you die. I was afraid of being flying apart from that helicopter. I had that harness and I parallel that with my faith and my connection to God that kept me connected to the helicopter so that as we were flying, I would not die. You see what I'm saying? This fear, we have to develop this fear of understanding we cannot live without God. All of those needs that Solomon tried to meet, all of those coping skills that we've developed in an attempt to meet those needs are going to be stuck within us apart from that connection with God. And I've been talking up to this point about building a relationship with God and about how we have to stay connected. We have to talk to God to build that relationship. We have to practice a relationship with God. It doesn't just automatically come. We have to practice by talking to him. We practice by going through situations. We're going to face tough situations in our life. And we have to learn to lean on him and trust him. And as he works that out, we can look back and say, yes, God was with me all this time. He was with me. He got me out of this. He took care of this. And he did all of that. Thanks for listening. Please comment and subscribe for upcoming podcasts. To order your copy of My Real Life, go to the Take Action page at our website, reallifeministries-stl.com or go to Real Life Ministries STL on Facebook.